You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. Yeah, my name is Dan. I'm one of the pastors here at the church at the Village. Um, I'm reminded more and more how deeply honored I am to help to lead you guys by serving. God is doing good things in our church and um, I'm always privileged to be uh, a good part of that as well, together with you. So uh, if I haven't met you, hopefully we'll have the chance to do that. Um, if you are new, wanted to also let you know, it can be intimidating to come into a church, or, and maybe anywhere, depending on how extroverted or introverted you are. But we want to welcome you here. Uh, part, of our, uh, part of, I guess, just our feel of our church is we do want to pl- be a place where if, if you've got honest questions, maybe, maybe you're not a Christian, or maybe you are, but you've got a lot of significant doubts, questions. Hopefully this can be a safe space where you can take some of those steps and learn more about God, uh, learn who he is through things like Sunday, but also through one another. So we're glad you're here. Uh, one of the things we do, um, we do together to help us to continue to grow, but also uh, we believe it's powerful, is we gather to pray, and we actually started this morning. We moved our prayer meeting to Sunday mornings, so we're going to meet at 9.15. We're actually, uh, next week, we'll start meeting up in this area over here. So just come if you see people that look like they're praying. Just come in and join there. A 9.15 to 9.45. It's good to pray for ourselves, but also to pray for one another. So just keep that in mind. Also, just a good reminder that one of the expressions of how we grow in our church is through community groups. These are groups that meet throughout the week. We even have one on Sunday morning here at the building. Um, but we think it's essential to gather together um, in spaces uh, a little smaller than this. This is important. This is valuable. But also to get in smaller places where we can uh, live out a little bit more together. We pray. Some groups eat. Uh, groups study the Bible. Other things. And, and just gather together. So um, there's cards in the back info table where you can find information on community groups. So we would love to find that for you. And also a reminder, today after worship, we have a, a, a class we call Pathways Equip. And Equip is foundational things that we believe are important for any person who would follow Jesus. We talk about the Bible, how to study the Bible, where it came from, community. We talk about mission. We talk about the gospel. So if you're interested in those things, uh, even if you haven't signed up, join us after worship today downstairs in the main classroom, which is where you, if you walk in the main door, the first classroom there, we'll be having our Pathways Equip class, and lunch will be provided for that as well. Um, I'm excited about today. Obviously, baptism is exciting, but, um, and if you, I want to let you know, if you're a kid in here, so if, I would consider that our youth, um, but also our younger children, our younger kids, but uh, um, today, uh, I was designing some of these things specifically for you in preaching. It doesn't mean that the rest of you can't listen. Hopefully, you stay, but um, uh, part of it is we had a great conference yesterday, Ethnos Conference, just amazing. Uh, it was, I, I try not to throw on hyperbole when we talk about things like, the most amazing ever, epic, can't believe you meant, I, I, we try not to do that, but it was, it was really good. Um, and, and just, you know, it was obviously great to see many of you from the church there as well, and as we do future things like that, partnering with others in the city, we want you to be there. We think it's valuable and important, so um, keep those in mind. But it was an amazing time as we talk about God's move uh, flourishing, and, and hopefully if you were there, God did some powerful things in your life. Um, but one of the things I think I came away from that, especially thinking about today, is reminding ourselves of the importance of raising up a younger generation, raising up younger generations from the very, very youngest 
through elementary, middle school, into high school, and preparing them to live lives of faith. Um, so today, um, again, some of this is tied to baptism, but uh, we have the chil- some of the older children in here. And I want if you if that's you, I want to encourage you to listen. I know for some of you, times that you're up in your Sunday, you got like a book and you're doing other things. I want to actually encourage you to listen today because I've, I've thought through some of these things for you. Um, and I want to look at one verse to start off, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. And it's, it should be up on the screen, 1 Timothy 4, 12, where it says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So, Apostle Paul, and if you've been in your Sunday school class, you've heard about the Apostle Paul, right? He used to be a man named Saul. God changed him, and now he became a missionary. He went to tell people about Jesus. He wrote this letter. He wrote this letter, and he's writing to a man named Timothy. So that's usually when you see the letters called 1 Timothy, that's the person who's being written to. So this is written to a man named Timothy. And Timothy, he's often described in the Bible as a son. So in the same way, I view some of you, as like sons, um, don't get worried. I don't have children all over the place. That's when I'm saying they're sons. There's nothing immoral going on, but it's more spiritually. I've been able to love some young men or, or daughters, like young women, and invest in them and seeing you grow. In that way, you view almost like a child, as a son. And that's how Paul views Timothy here. Because Timothy, and this is important, um, we believe his father actually did not believe in Jesus. His grandmother and his mother came to know Jesus through Paul's work. But he didn't have a father from all that we know that didn't follow Jesus. And, and Timothy actually came from a, a bicultural family because his father was a Gentile, a not a Jew, but his mother was a Jew. So Timothy came from a, um, a very diverse background, and hopefully that encourages us. He didn't come from like a Christian background, though his mommy and his grandmother, they, they raised him to know Jesus. He didn't start out that way. And I hope that encourages you, if you didn't start out that way, that God can still work in our lives. Because God doesn't just work in those who are born into a family that's always been singing about Jesus or always talks about the Bible. And that's good news for us. So Timothy's a young man. And Paul's trained him, and one of the best ways Paul trained Timothy was saying, hey, you're going to go with me when I go to be a missionary to these different cities, different places. And one of those cities was a city called Ephesus. It's a, it was an old Greek city, and today, if you've heard of the country Turkey, that's where Ephesus is, the country Turkey. So Paul, what he did, he started this church, and now he left Timothy to be there. So he said, Timothy, you're going to lead this church in Ephesus. So this letter, these are like instructions that Paul has sent to Timothy how to best lead the church because they're having some problems. And for some of you, some of you young guys here, um, and maybe you're not old enough for some of this. Yes, some of you are. It's like if your parents ever go out of town. And one day, for some of your parents, you can dream about that. It will happen, right? You can actually go out of town without your kids Kids, this is what your parents will do. They'll leave letters for you on what you should do, what you should not do. But they'll give you instructions, and they'll leave you those things. That's kind of what Paul's doing here for Timothy. He sent him this letter, how to lead this church. And if you would sum up the whole big message of this letter here, Paul is telling Timothy that the gospel, the message of Jesus, this changes how you live. 
This changes practically how you talk, what you do if you believe it. In other words, if you believe the message of Jesus, it will make a difference in your life. What, what Paul's trying to tell them, if you believe this message, all the things we talk about here in church, if you believe it, it will change your life. So when we look at chapter 12, or chapter 4, verse 12 here, Paul is talking to Timothy, and he talks about his youth. And for some of you, you might think, oh, that must, Timothy must be like a teenager, because that's what a youth is. But we need to understand in the great Greek tradition here, youth could mean someone up to 40. So if you're up to like 40, you're considered youth. So some of you are like, yeah, I'm still a youth. I mean, I'm like right there. I'm graying. I've lost some stuff. But hey, I'm still a youth. Um, so Timothy, he's not like a young kid. He's probably in his mid-30s. But in that tradition, he probably had other people who were a lot older than him. Maybe he had other elders. And so Paul is trying to encourage him. No, you're still supposed to lead even though you're younger than other people here. So Paul was telling Timothy, hey, don't be intimidated. Don't be intimidated just because everyone else looks like they know what's going on because they look older than you. Um, Just don't be intimidated even though you're supposed to lead people older than you. And one of the ways Paul says is, hey, Tim, this is how you can have confidence in leading, live a life as an example for the people. Timothy, I know you're young, but it's okay. Here's how you're going to lead other people who are even older than you. Live a life as an example for them. And I, wanna, I want us to look then here today at some of the different ways Paul tells Timothy to be an example. And as I share, I'm going to ask you, as you're listening, each of these things almost use it like a test. Say, how am I doing in that? How am I doing that? So the first thing we see here, right? Set the believers an example in speech. In your speech, simply, and this is a simple message today, right? Simply, this means our words matter. If you follow Jesus, if you love Jesus, if you believe in the message of Jesus, it means that our words matter. You want to know how words matter? And some of you, even, even some of our kids here, you know your history, right? You know that words are powerful when they're given in things like speeches, so have any of you heard of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? Any of, any of the kids here, you know him? Um, what was his most famous speech? Does anyone just yell it out if you know it? Y'all know it, right? I have a dream. Everyone knows it, no matter what your education. You know Martin Luther King, Dr. King, what was it? I have a dream. And think about it now. Because of this speech, because of his words, now we are some of the fruit of that. We are some of the result of Dr. King saying, I I dream for a day, and we got a lot of ways to go. But I dream for a day when we can sit together with people of different color, different background, and, and be growing as family. That's part of Dr. King's vision. Words are powerful. There's also a cat. You might have heard. Anyone heard of this man named Hitler? Hitler? Anyone? Any of you know Hitler? Adolf Hitler. As much as Dr. King was powerful with his words, Adolf Hitler was also a master at using words. And he was known famously when he became Chancellor of Germany in 1933, he gave this very crazy speech. If you've ever seen Adolf Hitler speak, you're like, he's crazy, right? Kind of look like me when I preach sometimes. I gotta be be careful. He, he, He goes nuts. 
But his words, very powerful, but they led to a racist movement in Germany to exterminate millions of people, including many millions of Jewish heritage. Words are powerful. Your words matter. And the truth is, and again, I want you to think about your own life. How are your words? Our words can build people up. I've experienced this. Uh, My father passed away recently. And you know what's been one of the most amazing things? When a lot of you have shared your words, my heart is in sorrow. And then I get some of your um, voice messages or emails or cards. And wow, like I'm built up. I'm encouraged. Have, had, have any of you experienced that when you've received good words? Like you're having a crummy day, you feel miserable about everything, but then someone shares a word and God uses that in your life. But words can also tear down. You can be having the best day, right? Have any of you experienced this? You can be having the best day. School was awesome. You went and you friends, you did all your games. Everything was great. You got an A on your test. You, you, and you're walking home after school. You're excited. You're pumped up. You're happy. And then some bully says something really mean. What does it do to your spirit? <sighs> it feels like it can just pop you like a balloon, right? Because words matter. What do people say? Sticks and stones. What did it say? Sticks and stones don't what? Baloney. <laughs> they say words can never hurt me. Words can hurt you. The Bible talks about that. It talks about the tongue being like a raging fire. Words can build up. Words can tear down. And sometimes, and for some of you who like to talk a lot, sometimes the best way we can think about our speech is, do we um, ever listen to other people? Because sometimes, yeah, we have no problem talking. But sometimes the best way we can use our words is to not use our words and to listen. (laughs) So think about your life. Are are you the type that someone always has to say, please stop, someone else is talking. Maybe for you, you need to ask, do I need to check how I talk? How do I speak? So we see speech. That's one way to check. How am I doing in my speech? Again, if you're older here, you can do this too, right? Ask yourself, how is my speech? Do I build others up or do I tear them down? We see next, conduct. Conduct. Conduct simply means how do you live each and every day? How do you live each and every day? So if you're a student here, let me ask you. It's easy to come to church and go to your like amazing village kids class, and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe Miss Van Kim made this amazing stuff, and my teachers are amazing here. I just love Jesus because this is all great. It's amazing. It's easy to act like a, a Christian when you're in church, but conduct is asking, how do I act when I'm everywhere else? How do I act when I'm home? How do I act when I'm at school? How do I act when I'm playing sports? How do I act when I'm on my computer? on my phone? How do I act in those times? Conduct means asking yourself, how do I respond to real situations in real life? Conduct is asking, um, yeah, I can say I believe Jesus, but what do I do when that kid in school shoves me when they're walking down the hall? How do I respond? Conduct is asking, what do I do 
when, when my bratty little sister just keeps bothering me all the time and just keeps bugging me and so annoying, how do I respond? Conduct is when my mommy and daddy, they ask me to do something, what's my attitude? Because we say, oh yeah, I follow Jesus. But Jesus says, if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to follow your mom and dad too. When they say something, when they ask you, please clean up your room. Please pick that up. Please stop saying that. Please stop hitting her. Stop hitting her. Stop hitting her. How do you respond? Do you say, oh yes, thank you for reminding me. Or do you say, ah! (laughs) I guess I know now. (laughs) I like it. Our children are more responsive than our adults. This is great. But conduct is asking yourself, is the life that I live outside of here, does it match up the things I say when I say I follow Jesus? Conduct is saying, um, when I say I believe in Jesus, does it make a difference how I act on my phone? Does it matter the words I use? Does it matter the way I act to people who are unkind to me? Does it actually matter? That's what conduct is. We also see love. Speech, conduct, now love. Love is simply love like Jesus loved. And the question is, how did Jesus love? Jesus first, he loved his father. Jesus is fully God. And we can explain the whole Trinity thing another time. But Jesus is fully God. But he also loved his father, God. Jesus loved God. Um, he, He said things like, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Does anyone know how to finish that? Any of the kids? All your heart? All your mind? Good, good. Anything else? Soul, I heard it somewhere. I know someone is pretending to be a kid, but that's good anyway. It's all right. <laughs> Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. You, want, you don't want to know what that means? That means love God with everything you have. Love God with everything you have. Um, I love this. I was talking to one of the uh, children who are going to get baptized later, and the first thing she said to me, because I was asking, because um, I want to make sure they know Jesus. Like, how do I know you love Jesus? I love Jesus more than I love my family. I'm like, okay, you're good. You're good. It doesn't mean you don't love your family. You love your family. It's, it's meant to be a comparison. For some of you who love pizza, and I know that's, that's real, right? If you love pizza, it's like, it's like God saying, you must hate pizza. Why no? Pizza's great. Pizza's lovely. But what it's saying is, as much as pizza's a great thing, that's how much better God is. So when you say you hate pizza because you love God, it's not that you hate pizza, but God is that good. So when you hate your family, it's not that you hate mommy and daddy. It's actually God is that good. Does that make sense? So it means love God with everything you have. But here's the second part. Love your neighbor like yourself. Jesus said love God, but also love your neighbor like yourself. What did that mean for Jesus? Neighbor is not just the person who lives next door to you. Neighbor is the people God has placed in your area, maybe. The people that you know. It might be your physical neighbors, but for Jesus, you know what loving his neighbor meant like? Sacrifice. It meant loving his enemies. It meant loving people more than even himself. Guys, you want to know how Jesus loved others? He sacrificed himself on this thing called a cross because he loved his enemies. So guys, question let me ask you. Do you think and care about others before yourself? Do you care about others 
before yourself. And if you can really say that confidently, yes, think about it a little bit more. (laughs) Do you love and care about others more than yourself? I love honesty. It's good. So we got love. Then we got faith. And I know that we probably, some of you can give me great definition of faith. I love what the Bible talks about faith from Hebrews chapter 11. It says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Basically, faith is believing in something even if you can't see it right now. Faith means to believe in something. So some of you guys, if maybe if you go to school, you go to public school, you go to private school, charter school, you go to some school, if you go, um, some of you, as you get older, your parents or grandparents, they don't come to this class door to pick you up, right? You go out and you wait for them to come get you. Here's the thing. Why do you keep doing that? How do you know they're going to come get you? They could be lying. Like Mr. Jason, he could be, oh yeah, I'll come get you. But he's just going to be playing on his phone in the car. How do you know? How do you know you can? Because you have faith. You have faith. Because you know your dad. You know your mom. You know grandma. You know grandma. You know that when they say they will be there at 3 o'clock, they will be there at 3 o'clock. And even if they're late, like 3.02, you don't have to start panicking because you trust them. You have a relation with them. You know them. You know when they say something, you can believe that it's true. And that's what faith is. Faith is believing, in, in the case for us, when we talk about God, it's believing God. It's believing that when he says something, we can trust him. Because faith means believing in something even if you can't see it. I know that's hard. For some of us, that's the hardest thing in the world, to put our faith in something that we can't see. Um, I'm getting older now, so I can't do things like this. But I used to ride a motorcycle, and I've told you some of this. Some of you have seen pictures when I looked a lot cooler than I do now. I used to ride a motorcycle. And don't worry, parents, I'm not telling your kids to ride a motorcycle. Don't ride a motorcycle. Bad. Don't do that. But I used to ride a motorcycle. Um, and, and here's what it was. When I was learning to ride, I, I mean, I know I look like a gymnast from far away where you are, but I'm not. I'm a little, I'm a little um, thick. I'm a little chubby, right? So getting on this thin little, I'm a car, a Hummer is made for me. A motorcycle is not made for my body. Um, but when you get on that and you realize part of learning to ride a motorcycle is that when you want to turn, it's not like a bicycle where you turn the handlebars. You have to lean, like the whole motorcycle. You have to lean it, and if you're going on the highway, and we, none of us go fast, but if you're going, right? <laughs> And if you want to make a turn left, you don't turn. You lean the whole bike down. And the tighter the turn, the more you have to lean down. To the point where sometimes you're starting like this. And to go around that turn, that road, you're like this. And you're like this close from the ground. And everything within you says, this cannot work. (laughs) This will not turn out well. Physically, this cannot be real. I'm a big guy. I should be hitting the ground right now. But you believe that someone told you this is actually how you ride. You actually need to lean. And they have a term. They say trust the lean. Because you're never going to be able to ride unless you learn to trust that. But what is that? That's faith. It's, it's an aspect of faith. 
And, and what I want to tell you, that's a silly little example, but in the same way, faith is for you believing that when God says he is God and for you to follow him and that's good for you, even though you can't see God, faith is believing I'm going to follow him. I'm going to trust him. I believe God is good. Even when everything is not always good, I believe God is good. That's faith. One more thing Paul writes to Timothy here. Purity. Purity. And, and maybe a way we can describe purity is uh, becoming more like God in choosing right or wrong. Purity. Becoming more like God in choosing right or wrong. Um, just simply, um, maybe, maybe a way we could talk about purity is um, we face a lot of temptations. And I'm speaking for all of us here, but I'm, I'm, again, I'm dressing kind of our younger brothers and sisters here. There's a lot of temptations out in the world. There's a lot of messages telling you this is right when maybe it's not right. There's a lot of people telling you this is normal when maybe it's not normal. Uh, this is a silly little story, but I remember our, our, our family, our kids, we were over at our cousin's house, their cousins, my, um, our relatives, and the kids were playing video games. And they were playing this one video game, and I'm in the other room, and I, I hear from the other room, oh, that's inappropriate. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I walk over, and apparently there's this video game. I mean, it's a fighting game, right? I, mean, I, I know violence is inappropriate. The whole thing should be inappropriate. But, you know, it's a fighting game, right? So, but the thing is, um, apparently my, my nephew was trained really well. There's this one character. When she comes out, he's supposed to go to another character because she's dressed very inappropriately. And he says that's inappropriate. Because um, it's a fighting game, but you got in a kid's video game this scantily clad, this girl wearing basically nothing. In a fighting game. I mean, who fights like that anyway? But that, I mean, beside the issue. But here's the thing, guys. I want you to listen to me. That's not appropriate. Even though everyone tells you that's normal. And, and we're just going to be very real here. And you can ask your moms and dads if this is how I always preach. And I, this is how we take, like, to keep it real, right? Just because something's okay doesn't mean it's okay. And some of you are a little young for this, but I'm still going to tell you because I want you to start to learn now. Because I'm realizing too young is nothing anymore. There are going to be a lot of people telling you, you know what? It's absolutely normal to take off as much of your clothes as possible. And if someone asks you to take a picture of yourself and send it to them, that's okay. That's good. If you're a young lady, if you're a girl, um, take pictures of yourself and send it to people. Because that will make you really popular. Or, or if, you're a, if, you're, if you're a young guy here, maybe you're around other boys in school and they start talking about other girls. And they start saying things that you probably think are kind of rude. Like, that's not how you should talk about another girl. That's, that's really bad. I want you to be able to say it's okay to say that's not good. That's not good. Just because everyone says something is okay doesn't always mean it's okay. Because we want you to have purity. We want you to know what does it mean to become more and more like God. Because the truth is, you're going to have a lot of people telling you a lot of things. You're going to have a lot of people telling you, if you really want to be my friend, you should do this. You should do these things with me. 
And I want you to be able to say, no, I want to honor God because I believe that's good. I believe that honors God. And purity, just for us to know, it's not just about what we do. It's also about our thoughts. And this should convict all of us here. Purity is not just about what we do. We want to be people who don't do things, but it's also about our thoughts. What are we thinking about? Because God is never just satisfied with not just doing, not doing certain things, but also, what are we thinking about? Because he actually says things like, if you're thinking about these things, it's just as if you were actually doing them. So those are the five things. Uh, if there were a test, it's like A, B, C, D, E. How, how did you do in those different areas? Speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. If this were a test, what would your grade be? For some of you city kids, if this is your park test, uh, what, what, what comes back on that little graph, right? How, how did you do on this? How, how did you do in your speech? How's your conduct? How do you live outside of church? Your love? Are you loving people who are, are, are not easy to love? Do you love others more than yourself? Your faith? Do you trust God? Your purity? Are you becoming more like God? If this were a test, what would your grade be? And I know, you're pa- I'm, 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 I know I'm your pastor, but I'm, and I'm kind of embarrassed, I guess, to say this, but I don't need to be embarrassed. Um, if you're like me, you realize that you're failing in a lot of this. Man, my park score is like down here. My spiritual park score. I, I don't do that well in all of these things, actually. Actually, for me, as I'm looking at these things and, and checking myself, I'm like, man, I really fall short. I, I'm not who I should be. And, I, and maybe some of you feel like that even when you're trying your very best. And, and what I want to tell you, that's really bad news. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to tell you, oh, it's okay. I'm going to say, actually, that's really bad news because what we call, we call that sin. Sin is saying, this is who God tells us to be, but here's who we are, and we fall short. And sometimes we look a little closer. Sometimes we're miserably far away, but we fall short. And guys, that's bad news. That's really bad news. But guys, here is the really, 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 really good news. I don't have enough release to say it. But the really good news is Jesus really loves people who fall short. Amen? Jesus really loves people who fall short. Because I want this to be very clear, and I don't know how often I'll get to say this, so hear me now, if you're, if you're, especially if you're younger here. I want you to know that being a Christian is not just going to church. This is good. We should do it. Being a Christian is not just going to church. Being Christian is not just doing good things. That's important. This one, you need to hear this one. Being a Christian is not just automatically because your mommy and daddy are a Christian. Some of you, you think, well, I'm a Christian because mommy and daddy are a Christian. That doesn't make you a Christian. But being a Christian is believing that you fall short, believing that you're not good enough, but trusting that Jesus is good enough. Amen? Trusting Jesus is good enough even when we fall short. And you want to know how Jesus loves people who fall short? Is this thing called a cross. And you guys know the cross, right? Some of you heard that about it a lot. The cross shows us that Jesus, he gave up his own life. He was sacrificed. He shed his blood. He hung on a cross and he died. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you, even when you mess up, even when you speak very bad things. And some of you are thinking about this morning because you said very bad things to your brother. <laughs> so, 
Some of you, you've been living a life that has not been very kind. Some of you, you're, you, you are bullied. Some of you, you might be the bully. You have not been kind to other people. Some of you, you're not trusting fully. But God is so good that he will never leave you if you are his child. God is so good, he'll never leave you if you are his child. One of, I love this verse, and there's a lot of verses like it in the Bible, but it says from Deuteronomy 31.8, it says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And just look at the ideas. This is for all of us, but especially if you're younger, look at this idea. You, you guys, you want to know what being a Christian means? Being a Christian is saying, even though I mess up, God will not leave me because of Jesus. Even though I fall short because of what Jesus did when I believed that, God will not leave me alone. He will always be with me. Do you know what God not leaving you alone means? It means that even if your speech is not helpful, maybe for some of you, you hear, feel kind of guilty here today because you're hearing these things and you realize you don't use your words to love people, but you're actually kind of mean. Maybe your words are not kind. You know what this means? Even if your speech is not very good, God will never leave you if you are his. Some of you, you might be very mean in your actions. You might not be very Christ-like or in the ways you live your life, what this means, God will never leave you even when you are not being who you should be. God will never leave you even if you're not very loving to other people. God will not leave you even if you are disobeying your mommy and daddy. I'm not saying do those things, but I'm saying when you fall short, God will not leave you if you believe in Jesus. Even if you have not been pure, And some of the adults, you need to hear this as well. Even if you have been involved in things that are not holy, maybe even last night, maybe you've done things that bring you a lot of shame or guilt, you need to understand the gospel that says, if you are God's, he will never leave you. Even when maybe you haven't been living the way you should. And guys, that's what the Christian message is. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And I wanted to... Um, I guess as I was thinking about the kids, um, I was thinking about my own journey and realizing just God has been very faithful to me. Um, but I think for me to learn that God will not give up on me has been a powerful idea. And there's this one song that I think the lyrics, we have it up here on the screen. Um, it's some of you who are newer Christians, you have no idea. This is like, you're like, oh, is this a new song? This is really old. Um, and there's a reason why when I sometimes I lead praise or do meetings, I, I play this song a lot. Part of it's because it's got really easy chords and I can't play hard chords anymore. Uh, but more than that, I think the message behind these words has just always stuck with me. Because this song was right around the time in my life when God really started to do some major work in my heart and started to soften my heart and draw me to him. And I just wanted to sing this. Um, It's simple. It's just really simple. And if you notice there, there's a few words in italics because the original song, and you might be thinking, okay, someone jacked up the lyrics there. Um, The lyrics there, those italicized lyrics, 
Originally, it's Jesus, I will never let you go. And the second stanza there, it's, though my world may fall, I'll never let you go. But I realized, and and some other people that we would sing the song, we changed those lyrics because we realized the truth is, um, I will always let Jesus go. I will. It doesn't take that much for me to let him go. Uh, Though my world may fall, I'll always let God go. I will. You just give me a tummy ache, I want to let God go. Because the truth of the gospel is even when we fall away, God doesn't let us go. Even when we sin, God doesn't let us go. Though our world may fall, he'll never let us go. So I want to sing this, and you can, if you know it, feel free to sing, or you can just listen. You can stare at me and make me awkward and uncomfortable too. That's, that's okay. We're all family here. Jesus, lover of my soul, Jesus, you will never let me go. You've taken me from the miry clay. Set my feet upon the rock, and now I know Jesus. Jesus, lover of my soul. Jesus, you will never let me go. You've taken me from the miry clay. Set my feet upon the rock. And now I know I love you. I love you. I need you. Though my world may fall, you'll never let me go. My Savior, my closest friend, I will worship you until the very Stand up with me together. Sing that last. Jesus, you're the lover of my soul. Jesus, you will never let me go. Taking me, taking me from the miry clay. Set my feet upon the rock. friend.
a moment right now, and as maybe God is speaking in your life, um, again, I don't know where every one of us is with God, how close you feel to him, whether you feel you know him or not. And can I invite you to know the love of our Savior? And sometimes, uh, you know, preparing this message, knowing children are listening was really helpful for me because sometimes we make it so complicated. Sometimes we make faith so complicated, all these different hoops, all these different things we need to know in every precise manner. Sometimes it's as simple as saying, I am jacked up, but God loves jacked up people. Oh, I fall short, but God loves people who fall short. Man, sometimes my speech is so unloving, but God loves people whose speech is unloving. Sometimes I am the most unforgiving person out there, but God loves to forgive people who are unforgiving. Sometimes I am the most stingy person I know, but God loves to be generous with stingy people. And he continues to remind us that he will be faithful even when we are not, and that's the message that changes us as we trust him. So can I give you a moment right now to just, again, wherever you're at in your own life, take a moment to talk to God and say, God, if this is true, I want to follow you. If you've always believed being a Christian is about trying to be a better and better and better person, can I bring you the message of freedom that says it's actually saying I can never be good enough? Praise God there's one who loves me when I'm in the pit and lifts me to the heavens. Just take a moment to meditate upon that and talk to God however you need to. Thank you, God, for this good news, that even in the midst of very bad news, that you've given us how we're supposed to live. And God, we take that very seriously. Lord, we, we take that very seriously. But Lord, you give us those things to draw us to Jesus. You show us how to live, and you remind us that we fall short, and that's why we needed a Savior. So help us in this room, Lord, especially maybe those of us who struggle in, in, in guilt, in shame, maybe in fear, that we would experience freedom that comes from knowing a God who knows every single thing about us and yet has committed to us, is faithful to us, will never let us go, will never leave us alone, will not forsake us. We love you for that, Lord, and we want to give our lives to you for that, that others may know that as well. So we thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.